Welcome to Sonic Talk number 370. Apparently, I was admonished last week for not coming up with a number gag for 369, but I'm afraid that's just the way it goes. Uh, This week, I shall be equally tardy because I spent 12 hours filming yesterday and I'm a little bit brainless. So if you've been watching the pre-show, you may have noticed... A modicum of technical difficulty, but now we're all through that, hopefully, and our guests uh, have patiently waited through. Uh, I just want to say thank you very much to Isotope for sponsoring the show. We've got a competition coming up from them uh, later in the show, and also we're going to announce the winner of last week's competition. So double up, all all sorts of marvellousness. Anyway, this week uh, is uh, another, uh, yet another scorching day here. Uh, You probably can't hear the air conditioning going back, but I'm sure it's hot wherever you are in the world. Uh, Let's welcome our guests right now. Rich Hilton is nodding his head, shaking his head. No, not here. (laughs) I'm happy for you, Rich, that it's not too hot. It certainly is in this place, I can tell you. It's gorgeous here today, actually. Uh, Low humidity, uh, what you guys would call around 23, 25 degrees. Um, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Rich Hilton, of course, a chic band member. You'll probably see him. If you live anywhere in the world where there's a festival, Rich <laughs> will probably be playing there this year or maybe in the, in the coming months. So uh, watch out for him with Chic. And also you can listen to his work on pretty much any of the Nile Rogers productions currently available in the stores after a certain date. But, uh, you know, that's Rich's work too. Uh, so thank you, Rich, very much for joining us. Uh, very pleasure. Thank you. Pleasurable? Pleasant to have you as well. And of course we've got Robbie Bronneman there. We weren't going to get him this week and we got him. Amazing. We've been, you have no idea about the negotiations going on behind the scenes to get Robbie back on the show. He plays, as we know, his contracts are watertight. So I'm terribly sorry. I hope I haven't actually impringed any of those, uh, 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 those clauses and you'll be uh, seeing to me. Robbie Bronham, of course, MD for Howard Jones and also producer, songwriter, film composer, all of those things. How are you, Robbie? Oh, you're muted. Not me this time. Um, no, it's yeah. me. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I said oh, there was yeah. technical difficulties. Oh, hey. wrong. Um, uh, now I've been enjoying a P- Howard just bought a PA so we could rehearse with a full PA. Wow. So, this great Line 6 kind of automatic PA that kind of, they even have accelerometers in them and they sense whether they're being used for top boxes or monitor wedges or it's all very cool. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah. you play. So you play. What's the, I can't remember the name of the system. Has it got the touchscreen mixer as well? Are you using that? No, we didn't bother with that because we've got our own full V mixing system. So it's just so we don't have to always rehearse endlessly day in day out on ears, ah. and also check everything properly with proper subs to hear how it's all sounding. So oh, yeah, that, it's must, fun. that sounds great. I can't remember what they're called now, but yeah, they they all integrate together, don't they? And it's all supposed to be lovely. Yeah, L3 and L2. That's it. I knew it was something along those lines. Yeah, they're really good. Really very good. Oh, glad to hear it. I've not, I've not come yeah. across anybody who's actually used them in person, so... Yeah. Excellent. And also, we have Mr. Mark Tinley, who's not wearing a hat, but he has crazy hair. Oh, that's glasses. <laughs> He's wearing glasses on top of his head, which could be it. construed as a hat. Mark Tinley, of course, sound artist, creative thinker, and um, crow catcher. How are you, Mark? And monitor blower. I blew my main monitors. Look at that. What is that? Can you believe it? Oh, no. From my Hewlett-Packard ProBook 4540S. I love Hewlett-Packard. I love them much more than Mac because I blew my main monitors, the monitors I use for everything, these little two-watt laptop speakers, because somebody rang me up. And you know when someone does like a pocket... I like to alert these people to the fact they're wasting their phone bill. So I loaded up Ableton and I played a 2K tone <laughs> out of my laptop into my iPhone at full blast. And I thought this is bound to alert them and it didn't. So then I oh, put no. an LFO mod on the tone. So it was sweeping. I go, <laughs> and then suddenly everything went silent. So after I'd replaced this bit <laughs> and that bit, Oh, the thing no. is, 24 quid later, I'd fixed my laptop and it was very easy to take <laughs> apart and very easy to put back together and all repairable, unlike another leading brand who, if you want to take it apart, you have to put it in the oven and peel off the glue and blah, 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 blah. So I, I'd, I'm 
singing the praises of Hewlett Packard today because they're so so repairable. I think. I think, course, very, I, I think that's very. I think that's very. To be honest, I've had that before. I remember once. Of course, these uh, excellent monitors. <laughs> excellent monitors, full range. I've had that before. Yeah. In fact, I remember. Um, I that I had a number that um, this baby used to dial repeatedly. So I'd end up with um, just. Uh, it was. It was back in the day when it was kind of more. Uh, whatever the phone where you had proper contacts on phones. Oh, landlines even. I don't know if I've got a landline anymore. And uh, it, uh, this, I just got this baby crying down the phone and I couldn't make a call out for ages and ages. And I, I found, I, know, yeah. I just did it with whistling. Um, but then I heard far <laughs> more domestic sort of, you know, uh, uh, stuff that I, than I was prepared for when I was sitting there trying to get them to hear it. But yeah, that's, <laughs> that's very annoying when that happens. I'm sorry to hear that, Mark. It didn't, it didn't make any difference, the, the, uh, the tone that I was playing to them. All it did was... I mean, I, I'm not joking either up. when I say these are my main monitors because most of the time, whenever I listen to anything, I just open the laptop and listen to something. And, uh, you know, I might be guilty of even doing some work on these speakers and not going and plugging into a proper set of monitors or finding a nice set of headphones. So, wow. All joking aside, I do tend to use these speakers for lots of things and not having sound on a laptop would be really, I don't know. Well, if you know them, far too professional. <laughs> if you know them, then that's fine, isn't it? I mean, you know, that's the thing, isn't it? I always remember uh, mixing. Actually, on... Actually, I think it's more a case of I know what's going to happen to audio when I do certain things, so I trust my judgment, and I don't always listen to my, to to the result and just trust that it's done what I expected it to do. So, right. maybe that's oh, maybe that's it. Okay. Uh, I noticed we've got a slightly down chat room this week, and it may be because I tried to change the uh, flat the, the chat room client on the live page, sonicstate.com forward slash live, if you want to watch this live stream every week. Or, as I've said, subscribe to it on YouTube, and uh, then you'll see all of our other videos. In fact, we just posted a an interview with uh, Dieter Dokfa today, so you know that sort of stuff will be dropping in your inbox if you subscribe. But um, I'm not sure that it... Because I think there was an issue with the flash policy on one of the servers, and this, this doesn't seem to be up in terms of numbers. So I think maybe um, that wasn't such a good idea after all. <laughs> so I'll change it back for next week. So do the uh, deepest apologies about that. Um, but you can do it with a local IRC client. There are instructions of what to do and where to go on the uh, on the, the live page if that's troubling you. Um, well, let's take a look. This is uh, this is the week. I mean, we posted this between. I think it was last Friday. So I'll play a little bit of this. This Hello, is welcome the. Welcome to another Sonic Lab. Ah, or it doesn't play. That's awesome. Everything's going very well today. That really has frozen, hasn't it? Specialist, you've probably oh, seen we go. Him, uh, in the recent plug-out uh, world premiere, and also very this was uh, David Ireland. Ireland. I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce his name. Uh, what's actually happening at the moment is, but uh, this was there's a big a whole series of uh, firmware updates for the entire IRA range, and then David sort of was very kindly uh, came on and showed us what they all were, even though he only had them about the same time as I had. Oh yeah, and he played a bunch of stuff, but it wasn't so much the uh, it wasn't so much the fact that it was um, the Iris stuff necessarily. Or there are some cool um, uh, changes to that. It was more to do with the fact that this whole notion of kind of DSP-based firmware. It just seems like when you look at it that way, to go, oh yeah, now this can do all these things. Isn't that like the most obvious way to do everything these days, assuming you can get the mix right between the actual circuitry and the stuff? I know, Mark, you know, you probably, you, you've been, shall we say, um, slightly less disparaging, than enthusiastic, disparaging about the whole concept of it. But they, it seems like they've actually quite... Uh, All I'm had, looking at these boxes now and thinking is, and I still haven't got my head around this, can you get any of the boxes to run in all of the other boxes because if no. you can't you should be able to no i don't if think i you go can. out and i buy a vt3 could i buy a vt3 and then buy and and then well you said no make I mean, it well it make it if you could go out and buy one box that did it all the things those four boxes can do if it's the same processor at the heart well it's it, not but it's the completely different interface isn't it i mean you couldn't make a the vt3 be a drum machine but, it'd be a nightmare to but if they it. were clever enough they'd have thought that <laughs> Doesn't seem to bother NI when they're running absinthe in machine. Hmm. Okay, that's a fair point. I suppose yeah. it's a more of a general purpose interface, isn't it? Maybe I don't know, but that's a point. I mean, and also, well, I get... yeah, it's like the Oberheim system forty-five years later, as I just wrote in the chat room. Well, I don't recall that. What was that? The uh... Oberheim system was the DMX uh, drum machine 
the DSX sequencer and the OB, I believe it was they were up to OB8 by then. It might have been OBXA. But uh, it was the end of the blue hardware uh, run, well, before the matrices or the matrices, if you prefer. And um, this is uh, all the Pointer Sisters stuff, automatic and that sort of thing were done on it. And uh, this is sort of like the Oberheim system for the post. Uh, automatic. Oh, I do recall that one. That it'd, was... be, it'd be interesting to know what the cost point is on the hardware or on developing the software, wouldn't it? I mean, I guess the cost point on developing the hardware, or it must be much lower than we think, because I'm sure that the I'm sure that the the firmware or whatever in the machine is probably would probably run on all the other ones, but without the controls. It might. It I, I would imagine. No, I'd imagine there's it. probably different levels of DSP in those. I mean, one thing that I I was told by uh, a little bird was that um, say for each of the drum voices in the TR8. It takes about a month for them to get the model right. So if you consider that there's a what over there a sixteen or something, and if they was ever to consider increasing the number of drum machines that that was going to emulate, you know that's going to be sixteen months of what per drum voice modeling yeah, well, or maybe whatever. If, yeah, just, just if you see what I mean. I mean the, the digital or the sample based ones would be easy to emulate, wouldn't it? Yes, I suppose so, but not so all anything of the... from the TR seven oh seven onwards would be easy enough to emulate because you just put the samples in it, and they must have the original recordings. Yeah, I suppose so. Or probably on cassette yeah. somewhere, PCM, <laughs> PCM recorder, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I know, Robbie. What yeah. do you think of the the notion of this kind of? You know, I mean, obviously you've got a beautiful modular system there, but you've got a number of things in them that you know are essentially DSP and it's just surprising to me seeing the rapidity and the breadth of the updates that have happened on the IRA range why there isn't more of this stuff going on is it just because you know obviously you end up with that uh, it's that whole kind of uh, myth of or not or not of consumer uh, that redundancy which is planned so you pl it's planned obsolescence so you don't actually want to increase the life of it after a while because you can't sell them another one but it would well, seem I mean, to me I'm 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 all for it. I mean, the OP one's a great example of that, of a product that they just keep developing and developing. Yeah. And it, you know, it's totally changed. It's probably like fifty percent more of an instrument than it was when it first came out with all the additions. And um, I know, like for example, I've got one of the Otto Machines Biscuit, which is like a bit crusher distortion filter kind of processing device but then they they totally repurposed it and it became like an 8-bit synth with like a step sequencer just by a firmware upgrade and you can swap between the two right so, i mean you know it, it, but but of course like you're saying it's the aesthetics isn't it you, you can't suddenly repurpose something and say now it's a drum machine when there's only three buttons on it or whatever you that's know, trickier has to be a kind of a kind of plan i think with these types of devices that I think companies like, like Teenage Engineering always had that as their vision, that they'd make this kind of shell that would enable them to add things to it. Whereas I think the, the error range, I think it's a case of they want people to have them all as a composite system, like a performance system. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I, I suppose the thing I, I would say with that, I mean, it's things like Teenage Engineering, but I'm struggling to think of anything like teenage engineering that has done that and that that level of repurposing and enhancement through firmware updates apart from perhaps access and the virus perhaps you know but and that's only recent you know in, perhaps in the earlier what years about the nord modular yeah the nord modular kind of went that way it started off version one version two and version either 2.5 or three are all quite different to each other and that evolved over a period of time with more and more modules being added to it but it's still same stayed the same i guess so i suppose that was interesting though because it had generic a generic knobs all over it yeah that was interesting because the the dsp was happening also sorry rich you wanted to come in and sonic samplers did a lot of this uh particularly by the time of yeah. the sr10 but they even started doing it with the eps yeah that's Hmm. It's been a while, though, I suppose. That's the... Well, yeah, but you asked for examples. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm old. <laughs> no, no, I, I wasn't, it wasn't a... But I, I was just thinking, because to me, this seems like such a 
blatantly and it's not it, it, it's not an untrodden path yet it doesn't feel like it's being trod well trodden at the moment it seems to would seem to make an awful amount of sense because if you get i suppose maybe you know that if you get the because you get the two systems don't you You get the kind of thing which is rolling again or perhaps you know as we talked to the yamaha have got the motif and the uh, awm2 engine and they keep repurposing and repurposing it whereas you could actually take the hardware and completely change the way that it works and work more in that way because presumably the code development and what have you when you've already got an existing hardware even though it's expensive you don't have any additional manufacturer costs but then i suppose charging for it is the difficulty then I, and then it then that's where it becomes what, difficult what they've done with the sh oh were you talking to someone else no carry on okay i was going to say what they've done with the sh1 is that they should have looked at the entire sh range like the sh1 the sh2 the sh Five was it right? Um, SH um, the system one, uh, the the little keyboard things and the rack. The system was a system one hundred and one. They should have looked at that entire range and then put all the knobs they'd need on to emulate all those things, and then be building modules that do all of those things. Then that would make it interesting, I think. Mm. That's an interesting well, idea. Korg has I mean, kind of done sense. this in software without the hardware. They've basically given away the, the legacy store as software with almost yeah. everything they do Amazing. now. Yeah, I bought it. I think it's really good. The, the, yeah, legacy, the wave drawing. station's outstanding. It, and it yeah. works in the same way as the wave station I had in the 1980s, except it's got every PCM card that came with it and every sound I could ever have made with that thing. And I can program it on a computer screen. So it's outstanding as far mm. as I'm concerned. I think it might but even every, have added a resonant filter that wasn't there in the original one, and the same with the M1. I think they've added resonance to the filter that wasn't there in the original one. Right. I might be wrong about that. Rich. I don't remember there being a resonant. Well, these companies seem to all be looking for interesting new ways to integrate hardware and software. Once controllerism kind of came back into the to the fashion and everybody started liking that XY axis in Ableton and being able to like sweep knobs and do almost anything they could do. All of a sudden hardware devices began to appear that allowed you to do that with software running engines, kind of like machine and tractor and things like that. And now you're seeing other areas like Korg is mostly focused on the software aspect, like we just said, but now Roland is trying to find an interesting way to integrate hardware and software techniques. Um, Native Instruments yeah. continues in that area. It's, it's, there's a lot, and even Steinberg Yamaha, more in the console area than in the, in the practice, but even then, they've or got you controllers for or, Cubase. Right. Or Akai Ableton as well, that whole. Yeah. 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 The thing is, Innovation. though, isn't it? The thing is, making a general-purpose controller, in, in, in effect, a bit of hardware that you can then repurpose for a whole, you know, legacy of instruments for Roland. I mean, it's going to be... I mean, imagine how... Imagine the design choices of what you're actually going to be able to put on there and not put on there at a price point. You know, it could be, it'd be like this sprawling monster, wouldn't it, if you were going to think that far ahead. Yeah. I would have thought probably bring out possibly a, a, a five-octave something like the System 1, which is more designed as a polysynth, full-on polysynth, which will have that DSP technology that they can pour other stuff from that kind of, you know, that era I, into. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Well, you could I think do it as a small-sized Stephen Slate coffee table with a keyboard attached. <laughs> well, that isn't that what Open Labs were trying to do? You know, um, some, time, um, some, some time back, admittedly, it, it was more yeah. of a wrapper than it was a, a, an instrument in its own right, more of a, you know, a workstation control system rather than the actual s instruments itself. I think, they've, um, I think they've really potentially devalued the SH-1 as well because by making it um, an AU and VST plug-in, which I could use in my computer, that says to me, well, sooner or later somebody's going to hack it for one, for, for one thing, but then if it can run in my computer, why do I need that external hardware thing? If I want that sound, why can't I just have the SH-101 plug-in well, in the same way that the Korg legacy it, it, thing it, allows me to have all the Korg sounds in my computer without any additional hardware? So it's, thing sort of, it's also making me think that SH-1 thing is sort of redundant. Well, I, I, I think there's a big difference. Uh, and Robbie, you were going to carry on. Now, all I was going to say was, I mean, yes, it does do that, doesn't it? But the way I understand it is you can, you can actually load that plug out into the SH-1. Yeah, so that's you right. Can take, that, take that as a piece of hardware. So for somebody who wants to perform live who doesn't want to be bothered with having a computer, 
they can they can load up and i think you can switch between whatever plug out and the the standard yeah. synth comes as that's right so you know it, it's kind of the best of both worlds isn't it it's kind of like a host in a sense almost like one of those you know receptors it's like a re- its own receptor for its own plug-in isn't it kind of is yeah it kind of is and i think you know okay they haven't got it perfectly right this time you know in that there are issues you know there's only eight memory blah blah blah, blah. but it does it, it's an interesting idea and i ho- I'm, I'm i'm hoping to see a jupiter 4 modeled in it that because it's got full enough dsp for four voices in system one has it got all the right knobs for a jupiter 4 probably not but you know that's the one thing <laughs> that i one thing i really wanted them to do was um when i saw when you see them uh the the the, the knobs gray out or aren't backlit for the ones that aren't there on the SH-101. And what I think I might have said this before, what would have been really cool is to have them, the LEDs behind each of the knobs be able to be colourised so you could have different sections in different colours. So essentially the whole surface of the synth could take on a completely different character because you could have you know, highlighted sections that were... Do you see what I mean? And that would, that yeah, would be really interesting. But, you know, that's another time. But the whole you run f- the risk of ending up with something the size of the Schmidt at that point. Yes, I guess. Need so many, so many knobs on the thing that yeah. it's going to be huge, physically yeah. huge. I guess so. I mean, but again, to address your point, Mark, I mean, I think the point is interacting with a VST instrument is nothing like the same thing as holding a system one and attacking the knobs and playing with it and finding it and working through sound as, as I'm sure, you know, many of us will attest to. I mean, some of us can't, deal I, uh, yeah, I with agree. it in the same I way totally if you're gonna but yeah so it's a different experience i suppose but i don't want to be t- i don't want to be tethered to this one model not well, you, for the, you, not you, there are price. other sh101 um emulations out there so you know you can... oh yeah sure i mean i've got oh, yeah. some of them yeah. um but i what i'm i mean if roland are going to keep bringing things out for this then maybe that would be good i'll just i'm going to wait and see what happens i think okay i do like the vt3 though actually i I, I, yeah, well, that, that having that, seen this again and like going, oh yeah, hang on a minute, because I had a VT100, I think it was. I can't remember the number, but uh, and it just got but there, the Roland, the thing that makes the V-Synth utterly brilliant is its ability to completely elastify audio in in the way that nothing else can do it. And the VT3 sounds like it can do the same thing. It's whatever their algorithm is. There's some kind of it's a, it's a kind of a cross between a natural sound, but something else it's like that roland kind of you know when you break and stretch sound up mm. i like their engine for doing that and i and i've got an inkling that the vt3 is built on the same technology as the roland varios as the roland v synth and probably the vt Maybe same, same dsps it might be so, possible Sorry. so I, I'm, I'm i'm like going well actually that would be a real-time way of me being able to do all the things that i can do in a v synth to manipulate stuff ah or the varios sorry robbie you wanted to come in there did, 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 did I hear that the um, the VT3's now got proper MIDI control, so you can use yeah. Like, and that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That, that's what makes it brilliant. That's really cool, but it's only via the USB input. There is no uh, MIDI input, which is some people was, were a little confused about. So now you that's have to. Not brilliant. But it, well, it doesn't have a MIDI port. It doesn't have a MIDI input. If it's via the USB input, Roland are notorious for not writing USB drivers for things later down the line and for not making class-compliant stuff. And it's a nightmare. The V-Synth doesn't work with anything past Snow Leopard, and even on that, it's kind of gnarly. Yeah, that's so, fair enough. I think that's a fair point. Write some bloody drivers, <laughs> and, and I might okay, be a bit okay. more interested in it. <laughs> All right. And okay. continue to support things past, like, two yeah. years. It's just nonsense. Yeah, I agree with that. It's lifetime. Right. Sorry. I'm glad you got that off your chest, Mark, and I appreciate your uh, your time with that. There was also uh, we've, we've got another video here, which is uh, something that was uh, that Rich said. I think I might do the ad first, so you can all take a breather, and I will uh, now say thank you very much to our uh, sponsors. If I get the ad to play, we'll see if it works. Don't know. Nothing seems to be working properly today. It must be the temperature. I'll keep pressing the button until something happens. There we go. Isotope, that's right. Isotope are the show sponsors, and uh, we want to tell you about Break Tweaker, which is not just a drum machine, it's a drum sculpting and beat sequencing environment that blurs the line between rhythm and melody. Made, uh, designed by BT, who's kind of the king of tweak, I suppose, or was, uh, and uh, made by Isotope. It, you can manipulate audio at a molecular level, reinvent any beat by controlling pitch, rhythm, and texture at the finest resolution, free yourself from tradi- traditional drum gears, 
grids, create complex polyrhythmic beats with unique isorhythm and playback speed settings, and that's pretty awesome. Lots of animating possibilities there. Experiment with content, explore presets, drum samples, wave tables, drop your own samples in there as well. All you got to do if you want to get a hold of a copy of this, certainly for demo, is isotope.com slash braid tweaker and there it is and also last week isotope very kindly gave away a copy of break tweaker and we have a winner for this week uh for last week uh, which i've now selected i've just got to go and find it uh where did i put that there i think i've just got to get that page up so excuse me a moment i've i've misplaced my competition winner but we did pick a competition winner there we go i'll grab that there uh, last week's winner was let me get that on my page. It was a chap called Simon Claudius, or uh, otherwise known as Twitter handle at the Baron himself, which is a very imaginative title. I like the sound of that. Um, so if you get in touch, uh, Simon Claudius, the Baron himself, then the Isotope Ferry will be able to drop uh, Break Tweaker into your inbox and you will be able to download it and enjoy a full working copy. In the meantime, don't forget to uh, download your demo. But we've also got you can win a copy of Break Tweaker. Yes, that's right. All you've got to do, you do it via Twitter. This is how the competition works. Uh, you need to send the hashtag microeditor, because microeditor is one of the components of this, and it allows you to microedit the sounds and the rhythms. And you send that to at SonicNick and at Isotope Inc., those two handles, and then I've got a special algorithm, search algorithm, that will find it. In fact, fortunately, I found... A search algorithm also counts the number of results this week, so I don't have to count from the bottom up. It's called um, Topsy.com, in case you're interested. Uh, micro hashtag microeditor, at SonicNick and at Isotoping. And then what happens is I will uh, keep an eye out for that and we'll pick a random winner uh, for next week's show. So, yes, win Break Tweaker. Go on, just enter. If you're not a member of Twitter... It's worth joining just for that because the odds are good. Anyway, I want to say thank you very much to Isotope for the sponsorship of the show. Right, fellas, um, I think this this is the one that you brought up, and this is a very interesting one, Rich, I think. This is the news of waves. The SoundGrid Studio System is a new way of thinking in regards to mixing and recording. It brings with it quality, economy, and flexibility. Regardless of whether you're working in a home studio, you've got a complex network of recording rooms. Let's just fast forward that a bit. Based on the SoundGrid infrastructure, okay, the SoundGrid studio system offers studios a wide range of solutions. Streamlined workflow, sharing of assets, and extremely low latency are some of its benefits. This brings in the beginning of a whole new world of productivity and freedom for your sound production. Right, I won't let them get the whole marketing tip there, but uh, this is quite interesting. Uh, and it's this is uh, a kind of, I suppose, in many ways, it's something that is, you know, running in the same kind of area as uh, what Universal Audio are doing, but sort of outside and more networked. So you're offloading the DSP to separate processors, which you have to buy. You can get various different ones, but it's not as bad as you might think. Um, and then um, you use the engine, you set your playback engine to be the, the sound grid, and then it can access and it compensates all the latency and stuff. Am I right in thinking that, Richard? I'm guessing you're the sort of guy who they would probably target it and say, Rich, we need to demo this for you. You need to check it out. Have you had a, actually had a chance to see this technology in work, uh, in action yet? Well, their invitation hasn't shown up at my door yet. However, um, it did initially strike me as starting from the UA paradigm as a jumping off point and then building something much larger, more sophisticated, and more involved in networking multiple systems together through a piece of hardware that serves as your host. Uh, there are a number of differences, though, between what they're doing and what UA is doing. They're not so much focused on audio interfacing and you know mic prees and things um, as they are with the computer aspects of it. And also, they still allow you to host their stuff in your computer natively if you want to, yeah. which UA sort of doesn't do. Um, but the paradigm, again, of integrating software and hardware into stuff they can sell you that does all this wonderful stuff in and outside the box relates to the conversation we were just having, except yeah. this occurs more in the audio realm than in the synthesizer realm. And in that way, it sort of mimics some of what uh, Steinberg and Yamaha are doing, um, though I don't think they're doing anything exactly like this yet. They will. Uh but this idea of hosting plugins outside your box to get greater amounts of use out of the software you're buying at a fixed dollar price 
is beginning to grow in the public's mind and they're beginning to show an interest in doing that. So I thought this was a really, really cool product, product platform. And they've also got some other things they're doing, like, I don't remember what they call it. It might be Studio Rack or something, where taking, again, jumping off a paradigm that sort of Ableton uh, began with their Rack concept, you can now create, I believe, an eight-slot plug-in box that houses a particular configuration of plugins that you use for a, a specific purpose that exists in one plugin slot in your DAW and allows you to save that combination, that box full of plugins that are connected a particular way and doing a particular thing as a preset that is then recallable across all DAW platforms. Yeah, I think that's it there. I think that's what you're so talking about, yeah. They're doing, yeah, the, the sound grid stuff. And uh, it's very interesting the way they're uh, beginning to address the fact that a lot of people like to work in a lot of different DAWs on the same project at different times for different purposes, and they want to be able to use the same kinds of sounds. Now, it's not the first time anybody's done that, except in the way that they're combining their own plugins into this sort of wrapper plugin that you can open a whole series of them all at once. Uh, it's sure yeah i think it is I, I think the, the other thing that's interesting about this uh is you know they have opened up the api so they're not just limiting it to i mean there are a lot of waves plugins and as we know some people use them some people don't i'm just wondering you know it'd be great if we could see incorporation of other plugins into this system because then that would be a winner for them it's not it's not naturally seems to be the waves way to kind of be opening and inclusive but i know robbie you use some wave stuff don't you as well as the uad stuff yeah, I've got the Mercury bundle, the whole bundle, and I use the, all the UAD stuff. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? This isn't the first time they've done this. They did that with their, the APA thing they did, the fated APA system, where they tried to host their plugins on a DSP platform, which um, didn't work out the first time. But, I mean, this seems like a whole lot more of an elegant idea, and I like the idea... I like the idea of being able to have racks that you can move between DAWs my only my only question with it is is can you address things like automation properly when they're within a rack as uh. you, you know between DAWs or are you limited in that kind of in that kind of control that's a good uh, point i'm just looking at the bullet points here because I know for a, for, for a while native instruments had some great plugins that were only available through the guitar rig they had like the DBX160 compressor and stuff and it was the bane of my life because I'd, I'd do all these sessions with that. Oh, I'd have to have all these guitar rigs, and then Guitar Rig Five came along, and then Guitar Rig wouldn't see Guitar Rig Four, and I was just always hoping for all these plugins to be outside of that that ecosystem. And so I just hope that obviously this is flexible enough that Here it we doesn't. Go become a bottleneck for people there you go look that says up to eight plugins per a fully automator bull it says there Ro right. robbie as regards native instruments you know they are now right yeah no all i know that now yeah. I, oh, okay. I know i know it's great now it's great i'm very pleased about all that it's just it was it's, it's sometimes when you put when you have it all wrapped up in that one thing in the past you've lost kind of kind of being able to get in you know and you i think also this, use, you can also use them within battery now Oh. And yes. probably some of their other softwares. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, this looks, this sounds great to me. I mean, it, it's interesting because because I know Waves haven't aren't actively going to do the AAX HD plugin ports. They're only going to stick with the native and this. So perhaps this, they see this as their kind of way That's of kind I've of taking on thing. taking on Pro Tools really. Yeah, well, I suppose that makes a lot of sense. You just go, you know what, that we'll just make a wrapper plugin, and then we don't have to worry about your stuff anymore. We just have to fix one thing rather than everything every time yeah. you change stuff. I know, yeah. Mark. I know you probably feel quite strong. I'm not. I'm not asking for an obsoles obsolescence um, essay, perhaps on this one, but <laughs> but. Um, you know, no, it might the, 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 the concept much. of this, I mean, in many ways, I mean, you know, you use network attached, uh, attached storage, you know, for storing all your tunes and stuff. The idea of having network attached DSP is quite an interesting idea, right? I want to hear how it works on the latency. I want to actually make sure that it's not going to cause huge delays in things. And, and I want to hear it resolve itself and th for things to remain sample accurate when I start doing things uh, uh, where things are on other machines and they're talking over well I didn't I looked at the way it said it connected and that sounds a little bit odd to me because it says that it connects um, uh, well I've lost the thing now via uh, 
a sound grid SEO stroke or audio driver, right? Yeah. So how on earth can there be no latency in that? That doesn't make any sense. It's got I'm, to introduce latency. I'm guessing, really. I mean, for, it's got to be in a mix. It's got to be in a mix vibe. It can't be working in uh, a real-time instrument virtual instrument plug-in playing. So if you've got a bunch of plugins on one of these servers that's happening on the driver, and then you've also got a bunch of things that you're playing, like drum sounds or whatever, at the same time, I can't imagine how that would be possible. I mean, the only, the, on the PC, the thing that it reminds me of a little bit is a thing that um, the uh, image line people have been working on, which is called Mini Host Modular, which will which you put into your door as a single VST plugin, and then you open it up, and it's like a whole modular environment, and you can chain different plugins together and create all sorts of things in there, and it's really very clever. It almost feels a little bit of a constraint to have it in a rack and not to just be able to wire things up. Right. Um, it, it, I don't always want to work with lin- in a linear kind of way. I mean, the idea of having all my plugins as a whole modular kind of matrix thing appeals to me. So I'd quite like it to do that. I want to, and but then the other thing is, I've been working for years and years and years to get everything in the box. So I click on one file, and it loads, and everything's there, and the song sounds exactly the same as when I last worked on it. And Putting things outside of that environment to me is always something I don't really want to do. I want it all. To, otherwise, you have to bounce things and make sure that you've. Yeah, got I know what you're saying. There is that. Things to that, make sure that you're always going to be able to get back to it. Or, there is um, that. But, but, sorry, go. I was just going to say, just in the same way that Vienna Ensemble Pro is great for like scoring, in that you can, if you've got lots of stuff that you want to have as a template. And if you're going to put it in like your logic session, ever it's going to take forever to load. You could, yeah. I guess, you can use these these grids, these sound grids as, as like big, very elaborate mixing setups for stuff. Channel for script, different, yeah. Different, yeah, for different templates of working. And you, and if it's hosted in DSP, you don't have to let your your main session for logic or Pro Tools or whatever take forever to load it all up. Well, that might be true as well. And go, go, but just going back true, to the latency yeah. thing, obviously this is coming from a live sound technology, which has got, you know, because this all stuff started for being able to run wave stuff in a live scenario. So the, the latency must be pretty damn low because that, that would be unacceptable in many ways. And if you look here, the, uh, the products that they sell, because I was thinking, oh, it's going to be, you know, two grand minimum. But that's the top of the range box, two and a half grand, goes down to 1,400. Then the, the lowest one is 450 bucks, which seems to be, you know, a very reasonable sort of entry level kind of scenario. So you can see where they go. I don't know what's this got. It's got one gig of RAM, uh, a motherboard. I don't know what that means, actually. It supports 16 IO up to 44. 40, uh, yeah, so there's obviously some issues with that. And you can actually, oh, you can put the, the board in, uh, they do Yamaha boards, don't they? The Y boards and also DSP boards. Mm. What's the text? I'll tell you what I want. Yeah. I want that that external box runs all of my PC VST plugins. As well. And then when I mix on my Mac, I can put an AU or an AAX or an RTAS or whatever flavor of Mac I'm dropping into my track. And then when I click on that, it opens up a window with a sound grid that's all VST PC plugins. That would be interesting. Ah, so you can cross. So you can, so I can just so run, all run, the run. stuff that's good about PC, which I wouldn't throw my PC away for, because I think actually that really clever programmers invented this plugin that they've only written for VST PC platform, which that I is, use for things. That's a very interesting like, idea. To have that available on a Mac as well, rather than having to bounce it all out. So to have control of it on a Mac would be good. I so, mean, I've, uh, I've got one other bugbear with this, and that's that it doesn't support 192 kilohertz. It only supports 96. Ah, okay. I'm not sure whether the, you might need something a bit more further up the food chain. Let's have a look. What is this one? This is the top of the range. So what does this do? No, it, just, it doesn't. Yeah, yet. it does 96. It's, it's, you're it right. Will, it will eventually support it, but most people now have shifted. When I, you know, when I go. Well, to this is interesting. Well, look, there's some in- interesting things. This is server be- benchmarks for uh, latency round trip uh, under one millisecond. Wow. SSL okay. channel mono, 512 instances at 48k. Uh, what has it got those for the uh, little guy? Let's see what the... Uh, I didn't notice whether there was a sort of instantiation uh, table in there. One millisecond. How's it doing that? Dimension. Yeah, it, do, it doesn't say in here. Oh, no, hold on. It says uh, latency round trip on this is two milliseconds. 
SSL channel mono, you can do 34 instances, H delay. So this looks like it's comparable to a sort of mid to low uh, UAD kind of DSP potentially, mm-hmm. but I'm guessing it depends what you're going to be running it on, really, isn't it? So that's the interesting thing. I Can like... it compensate for that latency when it gets back to the box? I suppose given that's... That different, different things in the grid are going to have different kinds of plugins in them, and the latencies are going to be different in all different sections of the grid. Can it compensate for all those different things and then sample align things again? I would say that... If, would... I, if I sit and I sample align my bass guitar with my bass drum and my high hat leading edge with the snares or whatever and then it moves things slightly i i want it to be spot on i, I would, I don't say, want I would say that's got to be a minimum requirement i'm sure they've already thought about yeah, that absolutely but it's interesting because robbie you were talking about um receptor Did, didn't receptor yeah. have a similar thing where you had a plug-in that would run on your host and the receptor would then um do the dsp for the various plugins it ran in i'm sure i remember something along those lines and you used those in the past didn't you for, for live or did you had any experience with them we, we we used it very literally very briefly because um, we when we wanted to do this whole thing of running virtual instruments live, but main stage and laptops weren't really up to it. We kind of flirted with the idea of it, but we never really properly got into it because it was all a little bit complicated. Because we had to you could only have VST versions and meant having dual licenses for things at the time, which you were only allowed one or the other of and. Um, and and it had all this USB on it, but you couldn't use the. We wanted to plug the USBs directly into USB controllers, so that it just became like the one hub. But the USB didn't send MIDI, uh, so it was just we, was we never really kind of got didn't. got to grips with it. But what about but, uh, Log- Logic's also got nodes, hasn't it? Isn't isn't I'm so, I'm sure I've never experienced this, but wasn't there a possibility yeah, to offload that? So couldn't you just yeah, do the same same thing, or does that not work? I think that I think that's long defunct in Logic. Ah. They, they got rid of that a long time ago. That's where yeah. I am. I'm still at version nine. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> so, and it's still very apparent in there. But that's so. People have been trying to do this for quite some time. And if it's the sort of thing, if Waves could get it so that it was actually just really easy, which I'm pretty sure there must be a sort of minimum requirement. This must be just there must be just sort of timestamp information, latency information, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm sure the rest of it is going to be pretty much the same DSP code because if it's running. Sangrid compa- it has to be Sangrid compatible plugins. I did look for an in- a-, a list of third-party Sangrids, and that's the thing that was missing. I know, Rich, would you consider something like this in a studio? I mean, it seems like it'd be kind of cool, so you could just have a box at work and a little box at home, and, you know, that would be kind of it, really. Or wouldn't it be nice to just dis- disassociate the-, the CPU from the DSP box, sort of entirely? Um... Uh, uh, it's possible that I would be interested in a product like this, depending on uh, a bunch of different things. But the UA stuff I use, and I'm very happy to be using. I'm not very happy about the way yeah. they uh, drop support for some of their older hardware, but I'm very happy to be using a lot of their software, and it's fun. And they have lovely little you know, graphical faceplates to simulate what we all have come to love and respect. Um so I do like to run a bunch of Wave stuff these days. Uh, do I run enough of it that I need an external box? I, I suppose, for example, if I were doing large format mixes, particularly for things like film, this sort of thing would be very appealing to me because as much as you can offload on your main CPU, the better when you're dealing in that kind of thing. Right now, I'm not doing large format mixing a lot. So it's not that big an issue for me, and things seem to be holding up fairly well. Did you see the? Um, did you see there was an article? I think in Sound on Sound the other week with Junkie XL talking about how he score. You know, he's like the right hand man of Hans Zimmer, and he said he got an auto load with over nine hundred tracks in it. <laughs> Basically, every instrument he wants to ever use in a track is there available in the song. Jesus, how long does that take to load? Machine room of stuff just to obviously host it all. But you can go, I, 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 he's got every single thing he ever uses just in that one song. Wow. That yeah. is, that's, uh, yeah. Well, now all that takes to load and what it's like to, yeah. What happens when you actually start filling them up? Well, that could very quickly create... Over, is there actually a track count limitation? Does anyone ever come across one in any of their DAWs? I'm going to you, Robbie, because I'm suspecting you, you're, the, you're one of the people who might have found that limitation. Is there I've a magic a number? Tracks. 
I uh, think I, I seem to think two hundred and fifty-six. I don't know why I'm thinking that, but I don't know if that's just an old an old paradigm that isn't that necessarily true. I've certainly got up into the hundred, well over the hundred before. Ah, uh, is it like a badge of honour <laughs> or disgrace? No, not really. <laughs> not really. It's, it's you know, it's when you go, I'll just have that cowbell and I'll just have a trap for it because I want to have it EQ differently. <laughs> you know, you know. I, I, I once received a project with 165 voices playing in Pro Tools. Wow. And it took me a day or two just to distill it down into something I could work with. Into a full yeah. track. Was it one of mine? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> no. That is funny. I, I remember back in the day when we used to have to get tra- tape transfers done. You know, I had a, an 8-track uh, before we got the 16-track. And we'd get, uh, you know... Um, the process would go, you know, manager would say, would you, do you want to remix, blah, blah, blah. And we go, yeah, okay, send us the tapes. And we get the tapes. And then sometimes there'd be like four two-inch tapes. And it'd be like, what? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Even two two-inch tapes, 48 tracks. And I'd just be like, wow, I've got to make all these decisions. And I remember you kind of go, right, I've got to have the eight tracks I'm going to need. They go live onto the eight track. Everything else I might want, I have to lay off onto DAT so that I can sample it or do something with it later. God, it was. Oh dear. Yeah, remember that, Robbie? Yeah. Maybe we oh, need yeah, a bit of that. Oh god, it's, it's just so convenient now, isn't it? I mean, it's like it's like it's exactly what they were, were just saying just then. Rich was saying about sessions; they're just too cumbersome when they're big. So the first thing I do is like if somebody sends me a track and they've decided to do. I don't know, 40 tracks of vocals. I, I group everything and bounce it into pairs and all that. I just can't deal with it. You just can't, you can't work, I can't work on a mix that's like spreading over pages and pages like that. No. So, yeah. yeah. It's no yeah. good. But it's also, it's also very interesting to see when you get a session in. I mean, I, I'd also, I remember actually, it's, it's a bit like when you have a cleaner come to your house for the first time. You clean up first, right? You don't leave all your undergarments all over the place. You, you know, you, you clean up. Same, if you know someone's going to mix something, you don't send them the kind of like version of, the, of it. You colour everything and you make it look nice. You, tr- you no, name exactly. it all and you make Anything. sure that, you know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> don't they never you? do that. People never do that. It uh, takes like sometimes half a day just to get a song sorted out before you can do anything. You know, that's the bane of my life, all that. I think it's just common courtesy. I don't know, Rich, you must get all sorts of stuff. I mean, you. But also, you're going back to kind of... <laughs> you're going back to some of the stuff that perhaps you have did yourself some time back. Are you... Did I, do I detect that perhaps you don't tidy your room before you send out a multi uh, Before you send out a, ch- a session, or is that... <laughs> I'm sure oh, you I do. I think you'll find that my sessions are pretty easy to look at and understand just <laughs> as soon as they open up. Mark, uh, would you stand behind yeah, that statement? I will stand behind you on that. I think you'll find mine are impossible to understand and nobody has the faintest idea what's going on and you can probably stand behind me on that. <laughs> I did I make sense I, of them. Did I not? You could make sense of them. I name everything... Audio track one, yeah. audio track two. <laughs> Untitled 97. I've yes, got a exactly. funny story. I've just been mixing a single this last week for a, for a, uh, for, for a well-known person. I, I, it, he shall remain nameless, a well-known singer. Um, not someone I regularly work with, so you can't do the maths and work it out. <laughs> but um, I've had this dialogue for about five days for a mix that should have taken a day. And it got to the point where they were coming back saying things like, yeah, the, the, that vocal's too wet, it's too, it's too swimmy. And they'd sent me stems with all the effects printed on them, at which point I had to go, yeah, well, the reverb's already on there, so there's not a lot I can do about that. Right. And they were like, no, we're right, dry. everything's dry, we've sent you everything dry. And it's like, no, there's reverb on this, there's delay on that, and, you know, all this kind of thing. You could have taken it off with RX3, Robbie. Yeah, I what the hell's the matter with you, man? It's so <laughs> brilliant, that program. <laughs> they weren't happy with the result. I did try that. Yeah. Ah. Uh, what can you do? Yeah, well, that is that that is a kind of aggravating. When when well, I, In fact, that reminds me of another remix we did. We um, And when, you know, bear in mind the process I just described of how you'd actually have to distill this multitrack, we did this whole thing. I think it was a remix for um, Candy Delpha, which was Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart were, did all the music for it. And, uh, and so we did this mix, <laughs> and it took absolutely ages. And then um, apparently, you know, uh, I think Annie heard it and just went, that's the wrong multi-track. That guitar's out of tune. And we listened to it. It's like, I can't, I can't really hear that. So we've been sent the wrong mul- version of the song and done all our thing. 
and then had to do it all over again, reconstruct it from... Oh, I can't remember how we did it in the end. I don't think we reconstructed everything, but it was a real pain in the backside. I remember that now. And the bizarre thing was, the, ba- the name of the remix group was, was, that, w- that we were was DNA, and Dave and Annie Productions was DNA Productions, which was uh, all bizarre. Bizarre, yet so, uh, in, in many ways, unmatching. And they were... Annie Lex a massive hero of mine. Heroine, or hero. So, yeah. Anyway, that's by the by. But, yeah, so tidy your room. If you're going to send a session or stems out, tidy your room, give people options. It's no good just sort of yeah. leaving it all here, as, here. as it is. We, they, they used to be... Uh, there was a time when you were asked, what would you like? Do you still get that? No. <laughs> Just get an MP3. Can you do? Can you sort that out? I have had people. I have had, and again, the person will remain nameless. I I was asked to mix a track, and they sent me all the little chunks from their DAW, not even bounced into stems that started at bar what beat one of bar oh, no, one. All the individual bits, little, little little fragments that I was supposedly meant to kind of piece together into. <laughs> <laughs> Surely they were broadcast WAV format with timestamps, though, right? No, no, they were not. <laughs> oh, that, that's really hurtful. What a terrible... In this day and age, there's no excuse for that. <laughs> oh, did you turn them down? Just charge them extra. I, I said I won't do it until you bounce them. And again, I said, bounce everything. If it's got fresh air in the front, it doesn't come in for like a minute. It doesn't matter. Yeah, disk space is cheap now. It's okay. Some get that even get that concept. It's unbelievable. Oh, man, that's funny. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I think I've had that happen before. Uh, uh, there was something else that sprang to mind when I, but I can't remember what it was now. But uh, yeah, those sort of nightmares. <laughs> Got to make sure that that, that you could. I, actually, no, that's true. It was the MP3 thing. I did a mix for uh, uh, somebody who I work with quite a lot, and. Um, I was it was before we had much bandwidth, and I got an MP3 of the mix, which I dropped on the timeline, and then I worked to that. Yeah. And I added quite a lot of stuff, and they wanted granular control of it. So I had to send them bounces of MP3s of all the stems back, which they used in the final mix, which made the official release and was uh, did did very nicely. But yeah, so it was all MP3s that I sent back that got re-imported into the DAW session. <laughs> I like it like that. That's kind of cool. I don't know what sort of artifacts it might have had on it. Um, loads, probably. yeah, loads and loads. Right, uh, there was there was more. Um, uh, oh, yeah, let's do something exciting. So, were we going to... Uh, oh, do, do we want to do chip tunes? Yeah, yeah, let's do a bit of chip tunes. I don't mind. I wanted to do the other exciting thing. but uh, Which was, oh, what, the pyro board? No. no. That's exciting as well. All the other topics I don't know. What? Motu? Oh, Motu, yes! Motu. That's really exciting. Motu. Okay, right. Let's do Motu. Let's see. I've got Motu here. This is this is actually just come out. This uh, they've just announced a new range of Motu interfaces. These are them. They are the. Um, uh, oh, supposed to isn't that supposed to animate? Oh, let me reload that. Animate away. Go on. Get on with it. Three new interfaces, 20, uh, the 1248, the 8M, and the 16A. And these, again, this is an interesting notion, actually. What they've, they're Thunderbolt audio interfaces. And, yeah, here we go. Look, there you've got some pretty, uh, pretty information. Uh, uh, and they've also got AVB networking, which is audio-video bridge, uh, apparently. Uh, and that's quite interesting because of the nature of, as we were talking a little bit earlier, excuse me, earlier about um, the idea of having uh, DFP or DSP offset and what have you. And this is a similar kind of principle, uh, but with I.O. Uh, and the AVB uh, looks like a great idea, but again, it's... It, it, I don't know, what were you excited about with it, Mike, before I pass any comment? I'm excited because um, I think Motu generally bring out good hardware that's well-supported, that lasts a long time. Yeah, that's true. Um and this, they look really good. They look like they've thought it out. There's a, an integrated system. They, uh, the existing Motu interfaces already will talk to each other and can, you can kind of expand your system. So they've thought, thought that out, how they're going to do that. And I just, I don't know, I just, having, finally having somebody that's going to, I'm assuming it's affor- affordable. I have, it's, I've uh, they're, they're all priced the same. They're 1295 or is it 1495 I forget which. I should check that. I think it's, uh, let me see. I've got the new it's store. Just, I think it's just bringing the Thunderbolt thing more into, into sort of like sensible price range where, where and it's got, it's 
got loads of features. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just looks like a really good thing. And it know? looks it like the thing would be good. a separately addressable, basically, you know, not, not lots of DSP, but certainly an addressable uh, audio, standalone, standalone audio IO mixer kind of thing. And it's got ADA IO. So let's have a look. Well, I've got the pricing here somewhere. They are all, yeah, fourteen ninety five each. So it's going to be about 1,000 quid. So they're not cheap. Dollars, right. Yeah, so it's affordable then. Yeah. Um, we, hmm. a lot of us use, I mean. I mean it looks like, that looks like something I want at the heart of my studio. It looks it looks like it can do things that I need, like uh, lots of inputs, uh, light pipe stuff on it, lots of jacks, and then the whole integratable thing just looks, it just looks cool. I, I, I think, I think, I think you're right. I think the only, I don't know, Robbie, you're, you know, I know you've used Motu stuff and I know perhaps uh, uh, Rich, you have as well. I mean, Motu, I, I, I constantly come up against people who've had Motu stuff in their system for years and years, you know, right back to MIDI interfaces. And it does, it just works, doesn't it? Generally, generally speaking. Live, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the kind of, the kind of, the industry standard for most people with live stuff is the is like the ultralights or whatever, which you just work and the microlights for MIDI. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm interested to see if they're going to bring out perhaps a a smaller one because they they don't that doesn't address anything smaller down the food chain. No, that's so true. Because at the moment the ultralight hybrid is just um, is Firewire or USB. I wonder if they're going to bring out like a little half U rack one. Um, with 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 fire, thunderbolt on it, that'd be good. But that would yeah. be cool as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that maybe further down the line, that's entirely possible. Um, yeah. I think the thing for me that I was kind of uh, sorry, Rich, you wanted to come in. I just noticed you've shrunk, so I'm just going to go and uh, enlarge you. But carry on speaking. <laughs> Happens with no, um, Well, it makes me wonder also why anybody is not supporting USB three by now, because these new interfaces are all. USB 2, but also compatible with USB 3, but they don't actually support the USB 3 standard. Why is anybody making anything that's USB 2 anymore? Because um, there are a lot of computers with USB 2 only on them, I suppose. But the uh, USB 3 in, um, interface device will work like a USB 2 device on a USB 3 port. In other, you know what I'm saying? Ah, in other okay. Words, you, yeah. Uh, I, I Unless it has reduced mean, bandwidth or reduced uh, I.O., and then they have to work out what the fallback position is. That might be an issue, I suppose, of the manufacturer. I mean, I'm guessing here. I just think it's weird that people are still building things with USB 2 when USB 3 is such a superior standard. Right. I'd love for somebody who knows anything about building stuff to explain this to me. Because there's probably a reason. I just don't know what it is. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I, I would... I would imagine it's if the USB has such a wider ca capability that if you plug it into a USB 2 port or vice versa, you've got reduced capability or bandwidth, and that's how do you decide which outputs or input streams to drop out of the, the mix. Ironically, the, it has more to do with the cost of implementing yeah, USB 3 in a hardware device. Maybe, too, maybe the license is high. Robbie? Ironically, I was just going to say, we've just come across an issue... Uh, which was with the with the ultralights live. We've been running them for years. Absolutely, literally, never a problem. And I don't know if I mentioned a few uh, times ago where our, our drum kit died at a gig. Literally, just lost communication with the Motu with the ultralight. And it turns out that um, the new ultralights have a Firewire 800 port on them, and they used to have a Firewire 400 on them. And I've got two of those, which I've been happily using for years, and I use them now with the Thunderbolt to Firewire adapter on my MacBook Air. But apparently, the the Thunderbolt to Firewire adapter with the new ultra, ultralights, which have Firewire 800, there's something something not quite right, and they keep dropping off the system. So, that's so, that's uh, painful. And a lot of other people I know have gone over to, I think they use, for the Goldfrap stuff as well, I think, they've gone over to back to using the USB 2 connection on the ultralight which is proving absolutely rock solid. Wow. That's you surprising. know, people are a little bit sceptical about it. It can work if it's well written. Yeah, and Moto are usually bang on for these things. I mean, this is the thing, Mark, you know, as you're saying, you know, their, their stuff just has longevity and, and, and it's great to see that sort of thing. In, in what, and, what's, what's, and also, the other thing that's very interesting is they do not, uh, and believe me, I've tried, they do not advertise. They just do not. They, do, they never fit. They don't bother with reviews. They don't advertise because... Word of mouth, 
they sell enough and they're, they're, they're doing what they need. And this is, you know, this is a, a, a very unusual position to be in. And I think it's great in many ways, obviously not for us, but I mean, it's great for them that they've got something that just works so well. Hmm. Um, You're saying Motu? Yeah, Don't yeah, yeah. Advertise? No, on the web. And they're not that oh, bold, on the web. I mean, they, they do paper advertising and stuff, but they don't, yeah, it's more. The it, but it's it it's more to do with when they've got a new product out rather than just brand stuff. I know mean, this is a, a little bit inside bit, but they, they just generally don't. Then they're not that bothered about getting reviews done because it's word of mouth. You know, they don't need they don't need them, and you you don't often see that many motor reviews. I mean, you may notice if you start to look. Well, they don't release that much new hardware. I mean, on a year-to-year basis. I suppose. Uh, somebody was saying in the chat room, they're still using their 828 Mark whatever interface that they bought 10 years ago. Yeah, and Mark pointed yeah out exactly. Very, Mark pointed yeah. out that they continue to support drivers and everything else on their old products very well. Yeah. And uh, I bought this Track 16 that I'm using right now, I don't know, a few years ago. When it first came out, a bunch of people reviewed it because, but they just don't release that much new product. Uh, maybe that's it. But I find Small it... I, company. Yeah. Are they going to keep? I wonder if what what are they going to keep of that existing range going with this stuff? Is this seen as like a separate entity on top of what they're already doing, or are they going to ditch out some of that other stuff, like the eight two eights and all that stuff? I don't know. I mean, I guess they probably want to move away from uh, PCI card based stuff because that's where you get screwed up with you know Apple changing hardware and all that kind of thing. So I mean, that would make sense, I suppose. Yeah, everybody is getting away from that, really. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, it, I, I, it's that makes a lot. I, I guess the thing that the thing that I was quite interested in is what is AVB and who supports that, and that is something that is apparently Macs do have it as they they have system based support, so you can plug an AVB a, a, a network into your Mac. It's just it hasn't really been implemented. The actual kind of you know the low level other stuff that uh, that means that we can access those streams and deal with it hasn't quite worked. I mean, in many ways, it's it's a bit like that kind of whole Copperland kind of vibe, you know, where it's a bridge between MIDI and audio and video devices that you could just plug in and they make themselves aware on the system. The whole thing is a is a network based transport. But I don't know what else. AVB will do apart from talk to other Motu stuff at the moment. So it's it's like you know we've got Dante, we've got um, AES fifty, we've got all these sort of different network protocols. In fact, in many ways, you know, we've have we have we got RedNet and we got kind of too many. I mean, do we need to standardise this so that this will then start to to be something that we can use across the board? Then we can decide what we're going to buy because at the moment it's really hard to you know yeah the Motu interface might be great, but what is AVB? What else can I plug it into? But even if it didn't have that, dollar for dollar, it's hard to match. Yeah, okay. What they're offering in terms of quality inputs and outputs and size and weight, like like Robbie pointed out, those hybrid, the Mark III hybrid, uh, whatever that, ultralight oh. interface, which I actually bought one of because I had to play back audio in Montreux one year. And dollar for dollar, pound for pound, I don't see anything else. Uh, maybe there's an RME product now. Yeah, but it's but not really, there's nothing. Pardon? It's a lot. A similar RME product may be sounding better, but I mean, it, the price point is so different. Right. It's like about a third. Uh, there's some Focusrite stuff that's good at that same price yeah. point. Mm. Yeah. But is it as light? Is it as compatible? The uh, ultralight stuff connects both via USB and via Firewire, well, and it no, seems to work really no, well with the, both. The yeah. Focusrite thing I've got is Firewire only, so I right. can't plug it into the USB port. So, no, it's not as. And in a half rack space, I think you've got something like 14 inputs and 10 outputs or something insane like that. I mean, it's – and it runs their yeah, whole they're cool. software they're really cool. mixer suite. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the thing costs like 500 bucks. Yeah. 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 Nice. Well, um, I didn't realize what the time was. Good Lord, it's 20 past five. That means I probably should stop because I've got to get home and I'm sure everybody's got to get off to work. So I want to say we'll probably wrap things up a little bit here or definitely wrap things up a lot perhaps. <laughs> In my usual reserved way of saying it, let's stop for God's sake. We've gone too long anyway. But I want to say thank you very much. Thanks for everybody in the chat room for hanging in there. I'm going to go back to the old chat client because it seems to have affected the number of people that can connect. Oh, I can't get back on it. I so I've got crack. Yeah. So I say I think I, that was as I just thought. If I used HTML5 rather than Flash, then it would a be available on iOS and also stop that Flash policy thing that we've had. But you know, anyway, you try. Sorry about that. Anyway, um, don't forget, we've got the winner. If you're the winner of the, uh, of the competition for um, 
you know, the isotope stuff, <laughs> the brake tweaker. Uh, you must be, uh, what was your name? You were called Simon Claudius, uh, the Baron himself. Get in touch and we can uh, get that. And if you haven't got in touch, remember you can, you can win stuff by going to sending a tweet uh, with the hashtag microeditor to at Sonic Nick and at Isotope Inc. And then you will stand a chance for being entered for the prize draw for this week. So thank you very much, everybody. Uh, we'll start by saying goodbye to Robbie. Thanks for joining us at the last minute. I appreciate that. I'm sure you've probably got a, a beach to lie on or something instead, oh. but I do appreciate it. I've got files to render. Files to render. Yeah, I've got proper stems to output. Boring, yeah. Anyway, thanks, Robbie. Uh, Robbie Bronneman, you can see him uh, at Robbie Bronneman. Of course, uh, Sushi Friday Music is the uh, uh, his musical project where you can see what he's up to on uh, Facebook. So do check that out. And thank you very much. And also, we've got uh, time to say goodbye to Rich Hilton, who's there in the very clement weather on the east coast of the US, I believe. Uh, thank you very much, Rich. Uh, you're off to uh, the studio, no doubt, to do good works. Indeed. Right, and also Mark Tinley, thank you for joining us. I uh, appreciate that. And um, I know uh, up until the last minute, it was uh, you were a bit concerned it was just going to be you and I. So I want to thank I my other... I thought it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> and I felt I hadn't researched the topics properly, but I was saved. That's the last right. possible minute. And we want to say thank you very much to uh, the the remaining the, the chat members who managed to make it. Thank you very much. Um, the reason you're seeing all of this is because I'm not using the same. I use an IRC chat client, which I would thoroughly recommend uh, if you're going to do that. Um, so thank and you. And I didn't I didn't ditch the chat room. My Mac crashed. So uh, that's a shame. Well, look, I'll, I'll put it. I couldn't I'll, get back in. I'll put it back to how it was last week. Anyway, thank you very much, everybody. That was Sonic Talk number three hundred and seventy. Uh, and that's it for this week and uh, there will be another show next week and then I've got a couple of weeks out but I've got some stuff to uh, play hopefully there'll be a couple of interviews that we'll be putting in that slot anyway that's it I'm going to press stop and fade to black